Chapter sixty nine of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter sixty nine concerning a second hurricane that raged in captain devereux's drawing-room and relating how mrs irons was attacked with a sort of choking in her bed and the china bowl with its silver ladle and fine fragrance of lemon and old malt whisky and a social pair of glasses were placed on the table by fair mistress irons and devereux filled his glass and tool did likewise and the little doctor rattled on and Devereux threw in his word and finally sang a song. Twas a ballad with little in the words, but the air was sweet and plaintive, and so was the singer's voice. A star so high in my sad sky, I've early loved and late, a clear lone star, serene and far, doth rule my wayward fate. Though dark and chill the night be still, a light comes up for me in eastern skies my star doth rise and fortune dawns for me and proud and bold my way i hold for o'er me high i see in night's deep blue my star shine true and fortune beams on me now onward still through dark and chill my lonely way must be in vain regret my star will set and fortune's dark for me and whether glad or proud or sad or howsoever i be in dawn or noon on setting soon my star i'll follow thee and so there was a pause and a silence in the silvery notes of the singer there was a ring of a prophecy and tool half read its meaning and himself loving a song and being soft over his music he remained fixed for a few seconds and then sighed smiling and dried his light blue eyes covertly and he praised the song and singer briskly and sighed again with his fingers on the stem of his glass and by this time devereux had drawn the window curtain and was looking across the river through the darkness towards the elms perhaps for that solitary distant light his star now blurred and lost in the storm whatever his contemplations it was plain when he turned about that the dark spirit was upon him again curse that punch said he in language still more emphatic you're like mephistopheles in the play you come in upon my quiet to draw me to my ruin twas the devil sent you here to kill my soul i believe but you shan't drink will you hey i'll give you a draught a draught of air will cool you drink to your heart's content and to tool's consternation up went the window and a hideous rush of eddying storm and snow whirled into the room out went the candles the curtains flapped high in air and lashed the ceiling the door banged with a hideous crash papers and who knows what beside went spinning hurry scurry round the room 
and tool's wig was very near taking wing from his head hey 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 hello cried the doctor out of breath and with his artificial ringlets frisking about his chops and eyes out sorcerer temptation begone avaunt mephistopheles cauldron away thundered the captain and sure enough from the open window through the icy sheet whirled the jovial bowl and the jingle of the china was heard faint through the tempest tool was swearing in the whirlwind and darkness like a trooper thank heaven tis gone continued devereux i'm safe no thanks to you though and hark ye doctor i'm best alone leave me leave me pray and pray forgive me the doctor groped and stumbled out of the room growling all the while and the door slammed behind him with a crash like a cannon the fellow's brains disordered delirium tremens and jump out of that cursed window i wouldn't wonder muttered the doctor adjusting his wig on the lobby and then calling rather mildly over the banisters he brought up mrs irons with a candle and found his cloak hat and cane and with a mysterious look beckoned that matron to follow him and in the hall winking up towards the ceiling at the spot where devereux might at the moment be presumed to be standing i say has he been feverish or queer or a eh? anyway humorsome or out of the way and then see now you may as well have an eye after him and if you remark anything strange don't fail to let me know you see and for the present you had better get him to shut his window and light his candles and so the doctor wrapped in his mantle plunged into the hurricane and darkness and was sensible with a throb of angry regret with a whiff of punch rising from the footpath as he turned the corner of the steps an hour later devereux being alone called to mrs irons and receiving her with a courteous gravity he said madam will you be so good as to lend me your bible devereux was prosecuting his reformation which as the reader sees had set in rather tempestuously but was now settling in serenity and calm mrs irons only said my and then paused doubting her ears your bible if you please madam oh oh my bible i to be sure captain jewel and she peeped at his face and loitered for a while at the door for she had unpleasant misgivings about him and did not know what to make of his request so utterly without parallel she'd have fiddled at the door some time longer speculating about his sanity but devereux turned full upon her with a proud stare and rising he made her a slight bow and said i thank you madam with a sharp curtsey that said avaunt and quit my sight so sternly though politely that she vanished on the instant and downstairs she marvelled with juggy burn what the pluck the captain could want of a bible upon my conscience it sounds well it's what he's not right in his head i'm afeard a bible and an aerial voice seemed to say a pistol 
and another a coffin and i'm sure i wish that quare little lieutenant puddock it'd come up and keep him company i don't know what's come over him and they tumbled about the rattle-traps under the cupboard and rummaged the drawers in search of the sacred volume for though juggy said there was no such thing and never had been in her time mrs irons put her down with asperity it was not to be found however and the matron thought she remembered that old mrs legs cook had borrowed it some time ago for a charm so she explained the accident to captain devereux who said i thank you madam tis no matter i wish you a good night madam and the door closed no bible said devereux the old witch mrs irons as you remember never spared her rhetoric which was fierce shrill and fluent when the exercise of that gift was called for the parish clerk bore it with a cynical and taciturn patience not perhaps so common as it should be in his sex and this night when she awoke and her eyes rested on the form of her husband at her bedside with a candle lighted and buckling on his shoes with his foot on the chair she sat up straight in her bed wide awake in an instant for it was wonderful how the sight of that meek man roused the wife in her bosom especially after an absence and she had not seen him since four o'clock that evening so you may suppose his reception was warm and her expressions every way worthy of her feelings meek irons finished buckling that shoe and then lifted the other to the edge of the chair and proceeded to do the like for it serenely after his wont and seeming to hear nothing so mrs irons proceeded as was her custom when that patient person refused to be roused she grasped his collar near his cheek meaning to shake him into attention but instantly as the operation commenced the clerk gripped her with his long horny fingers by the throat with a snap so sure and energetic that not a cry not a gasp even or a wheeze could escape through the trachea as medical men have it and her face and forehead purpled up and her eyes goggled and glared in her head and her husband looked so insanely wicked that as the pale picture darkened before her and she heard curse after curse and one foul name after another hiss off his tongue like water off a hot iron in her singing ears she gave herself up for lost he closed this exercise by chucking her head viciously against the board of the bed half a dozen times and leaving her thereafter a good deal more confused even than on the eventful evening when he had first declared his love so soon as she came a little to herself and saw him coolly buttoning his leggings at the bedside his buckles being adjusted by this time her fear subsided or rather her just indignation rose above it and drowned it and she was on the point of breaking out afresh only in a way commensurate with her wrongs and proportionately more formidable when on the first symptom of attack he clutched her if possible tighter the gaping goggling purpling the darkening of vision and humming in ears all recommenced likewise the knocking of her head with improved goodwill and spite of her struggles and scratching 
the bewildered lady unused to even a show of insurrection underwent the same horrid series of sensations at the hands of her rebellious lord when they had both had enough of it mr irons went on with his buttoning and his lady gradually came too this time however she was effectually frightened too much so even to resort to hysterics for she was not quite sure that when he had buttoned the last button of his left legging he might not resume operations and terminate their conjugal relations therefore being all of a tremble with her hands clasped and too much terrified to cry she besought irons whose bodily strength surprised her for her life and his pale malign glance askew over his shoulder held her with a sort of a spell that was quite new to her in fact she had never respected irons so before when he had adjusted his leggings he stood lithe and erect at the bedside and with his fist at her face delivered a short charge the point of which was that unless she lay like a mouse till morning he'd have her life though he hanged for it and with that he drew the curtain and was hidden from her sight for some time end of chapter sixty nine recording by john brandon